welcome to another edition of Founder Wisdom Podcast. Today we have a special guest with us. Her name is Andrea Fleck Wetterald. She is a, an author and a speaker. And uh, we will talk mostly about improv and a bunch of interesting other topics. So, Andrea, welcome to the pod. Can you introduce yourself and tell us a bit more about your business? Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me. I've been looking forward to spending this time with you today. Um, so, like you said, my name is Andrea Flack Weatherall, and I wrote a book called The Funny Thing About Forgiveness, which brings together um, mindfulness practice and the experiences that I had working in social research um, and on a research study about behavior modification and addiction. So it brings that school of thought and my degree and the things that I learned on that study alongside just the delightful things that we need as improvisers in order to succeed um, on stage. And so, you know, my realization when I became a comedian after uh, being a social worker for a number of years, um, was that so much of what makes improv work on stage, like this idea of being vulnerable and this idea of continuing to trust yourself and trust the people on your team, even after you fail in front of each other. And how do we roll with change and how do we accept when things don't work out, um, how we wanted them to that type of resilience and trust and vulnerability is so hand in hand with what we know is helpful for making positive changes in our lives and being the people that we mean to be. So that's what the book is about. And um, I've specifically through, I, we can talk more about it in the course of the conversation if you'd like, but specifically really honed in on forgiveness because it's a word that makes people really uncomfortable. And it's a skill that is just really important if we wanna be joyful while we're building the stuff that we're proud of. Interesting. Well, yeah, I want to talk about improv. I want to talk about forgiveness. Um, why is improv the best tool to learn about forgiveness? Is it because you fail a lot during improv? Like, why would I fail a lot during improv? I don't, I, I cannot picture myself failing a lot in, in improv because it's only, you know, play. So sure. can you tell us a bit more about that. Well, I mean, you've said it beautifully. The reason why it's the best way to learn is because the stakes are lower when you're improvising. And so you're working on these skills that are so transferable and so helpful and life-changing in an environment where it's not life or death. Your job isn't on the line. Your relationship is not on the line. Whether or not you want to spend time with your family at Thanksgiving or some other holiday, that's not on the line. The stakes are so much lower, but you're practicing what it feels like to trust yourself again after your joke didn't land with the audience or, you know, practicing what it feels like to trust your team member again after they sold you out and they did not come help you when they, when you wanted them to, or, yeah. or whatever it is, these things that happen and, you know, even though the stakes are lower, it's not fun to fail in front of an audience. And I know what it feels like to literally sneak with my team members out the back door of a theater. So we did not have to face the audience after a terrible show. Like, wow. those, those things are not fun. Um, but yeah, that's the reason why it's such a great way to learn. Like you find this confidence, you find this, you know, ability to hold things lightly you know, and after a while you start thinking, you know, okay, since all of life is improv, I mean, we're all making this up as we go. What if it's safe to hold that a little more lightly too? Like, what if it's safe to, you know, really apply these same rules and these same ways of being off stage? And, you know, to my delight and surprise, 
that turned out to be a really good move, <laughs> career and relationship wise. Yeah. Is improv level one and stand up comedy level 10? Uh, I don't think so. I don't know if there's like a right answer to that question, but um, I don't think so. I think that they're just two completely different forms of live comedy. And I know a lot of stand ups and love a lot of stand ups, and some of my dear, dear friends are stand ups. Um, But I think, you know, the reason why I chose not to keep going down that road, like there's a lot of overlap, you know, Um, but stand up culture really, (laughs) there's a lot of go to open mic nights every night and drink by yourself right before you get up on stage and make fun of yourself in front of a group of strangers. And just a lot of like, um, really celebrating the idea of like self-medication and this there's like a lot of that in stand-up culture and it just didn't feel good to me and so I I think that you can absolutely succeed in improv and find a platform either for um comedy or you know applying it in different ways without it having to be stand-up as the final destination sure and talking about forgiveness do most people have a hard time forgiving themselves because it seems that to me as a founder and an entrepreneur was a basic um, mindset. I, I'd say that like three years in the game, I still ha- hadn't acquired forgiveness that much. I think it came also from a, a personal uh, place, you know, that it was like, oh, if someone does something wrong to me, then I need some kind of vengeance, you know? And uh, I also uh, reflected that philosophy BS the others towards my actions too. And I'm like, oh, maybe they're right in saying that my content sucks or or something like that. I think I acquired this mindset probably like five years in the game, especially when I started this cold email agency. I send so many emails on a daily basis. And sometimes I put jokes in them. And sometimes the reception is, is not good. Sometimes it is good. But to me, nowadays, it's a quantity game. So the more experiments I can Put out there well the more positive conclusions i might get and the positive conclusions i can just double down on them so looking back at it yes it was a different skill uh, a difficult skill to learn is it that way for most people at the workplace and are you targeting um the corporate world or are you targeting mostly entrepreneurs okay several questions in yeah. there <laughs> about 10 yeah yeah so Oh, that's perfect. So firstly, you ask, is it difficult for people to forgive themselves? Yes, absolutely. You know, there's um, this sense of almost it has nothing to do with my professional life, you know, like that's therapy stuff or that's church stuff or whatever. And um, I can be stronger than my hurt. I can be stronger than my self-resentment. You know, I can be disciplined enough and I can grind hard enough and you know, just this, like, honestly, it feels like toxic masculinity that even I felt, you know, as a woman and it's so unhealthy. And so I feel like, uh, that absolutely. Yes. That's a shared experience of, um, struggling to forgive yourself. I, this is not my first company. I don't remember if I shared with you before or not that shortly after college, I, started a little tech startup with some friends of mine. We won startup weekend in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Um, worked super hard, poured every last penny that we had into our names into trying to get that off the ground and it failed. 
and it failed because I didn't do a good job. Like I didn't know what I was doing and I made bad choices and I didn't speak up when I needed to. And I, uh, didn't trust my instincts and I could go on about that for a long time. But for me, what it looked like to forgive myself for that failure was realizing that that does not dictate the future. So here's where I think it would be helpful to even just provide my definition of forgiveness, because I do not think that forgiveness is about looking backwards and being fine with bad things that have happened. And this is really important because we would be kidding ourselves to think that none of your listeners have experienced some sort of trauma, like deeply traumatic experience in their life. And they might hear this and think that I'm saying, well, you're not going to have joy in your life until you can remember that horribly painful thing you've been through and be fine with it. That is not as a social worker, as a foster parent, who's now an adoptive parent, as a survivor of sexual assault, like that is not a belief that I have. And that's not what I teach people. Instead, I think that it's the ultimate yes. And, you know, like that's what improv is, is this yes. And, and it's the, yes, this happened and beautiful, good, amazing things are still possible in the future. And so when I teach forgiveness work, I teach that it's this idea of looking at the painful things that we've been through and asking ourselves the question, what is the limiting belief that I started believing about myself, about the people around me, and about the process by which things come to be? What limiting beliefs did I start believing? And then identifying those and claiming and really anchoring down to beliefs that serve and honor my purposes. And so for me with Share Closet, that was the name of this startup. Yeah. That kaboomed famously. Um, and for me, it was realizing I've learned a lot since then. Yep. I made some bad decisions and it's okay for me to own up to that. It's okay for me to look at that and be like, I would do it differently now in my thirties than I did in my twenties, you know, and it's, it's safe to be imperfect. And what makes something a failure? I learned a whole lot you know, it motivated me to start taking business classes at night and learn some things. And anyhow, so not to talk your whole entire ears off, but you know, that's what forgiveness was for me, allowing myself to not feel ashamed of trying and of being brave, you know? And then the second thing you asked me was about like, who is it that I'm targeting? Um, so I don't know that I'm targeting anyone that makes me feel like I'm about to shoot someone, but uh, the people who engage my content the most are people that are leaders in some capacity. So yes, entrepreneurs, also pastors, also activists, also people that run um, social agencies of different kinds. Um, so it's really just anyone who has a leadership stake in their lives, you know, um, and yeah probably no need to elaborate beyond that. I think you understand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am curious about punishment in society. Mm. Um, why, why is it a thing? Does it still have value? Because mm. to me, you know, I sometimes punish myself when I see too much weakness being invited in me, for example, um, Well, I, I was about to state some uh, entrance events that I do. And sometimes, you know, I'm, I'm just like, man up, you know, and it's, it's not, I, I don't believe it's toxic in that case. It's just like, hey, let, let's stop like complaining mentally, you know, and let, let's step up and be my, my best self. I do a bit of that. Um, I never, 
probably in my um my my younger years maybe it, it was a bit toxic you know when i was younger in sports and you know you lose and you're like ah oh, i lost or i missed this shot you know and you you keep on bringing it back and nowadays my philosophy to it is kind of i view it as a demon sometimes a demon that tries to to keep me back you know and and begins the the negative talk in my head for example mm-hmm. and bring me brings me back to events uh, in which I wasn't at my best and what I do in these cases I just ignore the, the thoughts and I even try to forget it and if I do that for long enough in my opinion I mean that that's me that's my trick uh, it will just fade out you know uh, since I don't give it any attention so first what do you think about uh, where do you think punishment in our society emerges do you think it has value and what do you think about my my personal tips here that I just uh, named Yeah. So thank you for those very, very thoughtful questions. Um, So firstly, the role of punishment. So I have started talking a lot lately about the idea of compassionate accountability. And what I mean when I say that is that when we hold compassion, which is to say, you know, what might my scene partner, so to speak, this other person that needs to be held accountable, What might they be coming from? What might they be thinking of? What might be their perspective? Why might they have done this? And and also marrying that with, I've done that. I have been the one that's wrong before. You know, I didn't just walk through my life making perfect choices and never hurting anybody, you know? Um, And so there's a sense of holding that along with this understanding that holding people accountable is a great way to let them know that you trust them and believe in them doing the gymnastics forever to avoid possibly uncomfortable conversations and telling someone, Hey, that didn't work for me. Or, Hey, that's not the culture here. We're not going to treat each other like that. That's not how we're going to handle it. When we avoid those conversations, because we're like, Oh, our kids play baseball together. I know he didn't mean that he's worked here forever. He didn't mean it like that in his day. That's what people said or in her day or whatever. And we just let people off the hook over and over and over and over because of compassion. We tell ourselves we're, let, we're you know, being flexible and whatever. Maybe do that once, maybe. But at some point, what's really happening is you're saying, I don't think that that person is smart enough or strong enough to hang with the truth. Well, that doesn't sound like somebody that you honor. That doesn't sound like somebody that you respect or trust. That sounds like somebody that you maybe feel obligated to protect But can we trust our scene partners a little bit more? If we really believe in someone, then we give them the opportunity to grow into the best version of themselves. So I think that if by punishment, you mean addressing bad behavior head on and allowing for there to be consequences, I am all for it. And in fact, I think it's important and a really, really important part of what makes improv successful. You know, if all of life is improv and we realize that we are making it up as we go, and each moment counts, how we interact and the, the offerings that we make into the scene, each of those counts for something, then I think that accountability is absolutely critical. And I think that the way it can do what we hope for it to do is when we marry it with compassion. And that's the reason why I, talk, why I call it compassionate accountability. So that's, I think, uh, addressing your first question. And then the second thing is my reaction to the your strategy of just not dealing with it. 
So I think it depends on how that's working for you. Because I know for me, there have been a lot of things I just have decided I won't think about it. And that's a very valid coping skill. We can't always deal with it right now. Like there, we're not always at a place where we can deal with it right now. But for me, I had to ask myself the question when I got to be about 23 or 24, why might it be that I have so much trouble trusting my husband who's given me no reason to not trust him? Why might it be that I'm having so much trouble trusting him? Why might it be that I get angry so quickly about certain things? All of a sudden, someone has stepped onto a landmine that they didn't see coming. Why might that be? And what I realized is that I had been ignoring and pushing aside a lot of things that were holding me back. And so the thing that I suggest to people, the question that you've asked me is something that gets asked somewhat often to me. And what I suggest to people is that they not ignore forever, but allow themselves to put a pin in it and allow themselves to decide maybe right now is not the moment that I can deal with this, but maybe it would be good if I did later when I've created an environment for myself that feels safe to do that. And so for me, I put it, I make a future event on my calendar and I schedule time. I'm very serious about this schedule time to be proactive about thinking through certain things that I have decided, okay, I can't do it right now. Right now it's game time. Right now I'm a professional. And you're right. I agree with you that that's not toxic. At some point that's agency. I think for me to say, oh no, 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 that doesn't get to steer the boat. I'm steering the boat. And what steers the boat for me is showing up at this event and knocking it out of the damn park and connecting acting with people and being brave and trusting my instincts. You know what I mean? Like that's agency to me and deciding that my past and my hurt doesn't get to tell my story for me, but I'm smart enough to know that those things are still growing. Ignoring them doesn't mean that they're not doing anything in my life still and not sneaking up on me when I don't want them to. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. Um, it's interesting, right? Because I, I tried a bunch of things. Obviously, psychotherapy is, is usually very much recommended or, or having some type of coach. And yeah, I found that, well, to me, the most powerful um, therapy of all and the, the most efficient tips most of the time are just mindset. Um, mm-hmm. And the, the thing that I just named is very much like behavioral psychology. And it's the, that little voice in your head. Um, do you give it attention? Or do you just ignore it and you become something better and force some habits on you on, on how to think, what to think about? And uh, there, there's a bunch of famous cases like that. But for example, me in my personal life, I, I remember when I was younger, I had about of like at least a month or two in which I couldn't sleep. And the reason was quite simple. I watched this um, satanic cult documentary which i wasn't supposed to watch at like 10 years old and i would only think about that going to bed you know this ocd type of thinking Mm. and i mean the the results were were very pervasive i couldn't uh, sleep much and then it 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 just got worse you know and and if only i knew at this time and this this day and age that um uh, this voice inside my head is kind of this this kind of ocd that you can either ignore and you can replace some thoughts with some other than, yeah, I think that would have gone better now. Um, I think, yes, the body does register some trauma and you need to address some of them. 
I tend to believe that the easiest step that most of us can do out there is just practice what to think about and what not to think about and understand that you're not this little voice in, in your head. And I, I think you mentioned so many interesting things um, about the, the punishment culture. And what I was referring to is, is probably negative conditioning. Yes, uh, positive conditioning. I believe that a balance between uh, both can, can certainly be good um, for you to learn skills uh, such as for forgiveness. Um, and I mean, yeah, the, the more you practice it, the, the better, I guess. And uh, last but not least, when when you coach um, someone, me, my, my theory on, on like the, the growth of a human being is trying out something with that person. For example, empathy, although empathy is always on my default um, tool set. And you see if that works. If that does not work, then maybe negative conditioning is, is the solution. But you try things, you write down things with that other human being that you're in front of. And one day uh, you might find a solution that works better with that person because we're all different um, at the end of the day and some stuff might work more than um, some other stuff. So yeah, like very, very interesting conversation we're having, but I want to come back to, to improv and the, the power of improv. Uh, me, when I improvise, let's I have, first I have lots of fun because uh, it's, it's like a, an artificial world and it's very creative. Um, creativity here is strongly encouraged at my company. Uh, people are actually graded on that and innovation. What other skills can improv teach us apart from being creative, um, learning forgiveness, maybe teamwork? Like why is improv so amazing? Oh, well, I mean, all the reasons that you mentioned are top on the list. I think um, the idea of having resilient trust and confidence is really, really important also, um, because if you're very creative, that's great. But if you're not confident in your delivery and you don't believe in yourself, um, do you watch Ted Lasso? Nope, that rings a bell. Okay. Well, anyhow, he, it's an awesome show and I really love it. He has this quote where someone is saying something to him, but is not very confident. And he says, oh, I'm so sorry. I have a really tricky time understanding folks who don't believe in themselves. <laughs> it just <laughs> cracks me up. And I've thought about that so often because that's just how it is in life. Like a lot of success is determined. Like you have to believe in yourself first. And then, you know, the worthiness of your idea and, and your creative instincts, you know? And so improv is like immersion therapy in learning to get out there and put your idea out there and offer it as a gift. And when you offer it as a gift, what that means is when you're learning improv, they teach you, don't just get out there because you have something funny to say. Ask yourself, does this serve the scene? Whatever's happening on stage right now, only come out there and add something if you're helping build that world, if you're helping build that scene in some way, not just because you happen to think of some funny one-liner that's going to like derail the scene and, and make it like hard for them to like recover from your presence, you know? So, but when you start thinking that way and you start thinking and making your decisions on when to contribute and when not to based on, am I honoring my scene partners? Is, am I offering this as a gift? Well, then the second part of it is that you then treat that offering like a gift. Once you learn that skill and you decide it is time to get out there, you offer it like a gift. You're not all apologetic and quiet and like, I'm so sorry. I don't mean to interrupt what you're 
doing no one, or you're not hanging on the sidelines, like, but no one invited me. Nobody gave me permission to get out there. It's like, you go, the spirits of creativity have given you the invitation, go forth. <laughs> like you just do it. And when you walk through life, you know, with that as well, then it just changes the way that you contribute. When you contribute, you remember, oh, this is a gift. So I'm not going to be all apologetic about it. You're also not going to throw it at someone because no matter what the gift is, you don't want it thrown at your face. <laughs> so, mm. you know, it's, I, I love that about improv, that gift orientation component is so deliciously helpful in life. Yeah, I think society is just interesting, you know, because we're often thought to be quiet um, in class, you know, Mm. And, and not share your opinion or, or parents also teach us to be quiet I think children's um, in society especially when they're with others uh, that do not think similarly to them or don't understand them um, yeah, yeah maybe they they learn to they need to learn that you know being out loud is, is not the the, the most uh, interesting decision to make in that case but I think we're shaping like our, our kids, to be something that is not necessarily beneficial from society like so what if if the children has a lot of energy what if he can use that energy productively to help others you know and quickly understand these concepts is improv often taught to kid because i i remember having um all dramatic class it was in french in quebec and you know acting class probably when i was younger but i never took them seriously mm. Yeah, um, I think it's getting to be more and more a part of even uh, standard curriculums in different public schools. I'm here in the U.S. I think, do I remember correctly? Can you remind me where you're where you're calling in Quebec, from? Quebec, Canada, but I'm often in Mexico. I travel a lot. Yes, yeah, that's what I thought I remembered you mentioning about Mexico. Um, but anyways, I when I worked at the theater, it was my job to be the youth education coordinator. And so I had the incredible privilege of um, helping to wrangle the improvisers that would teach improv to children, to young children. And it, it was so beautiful. I mean, these ideas of, um, what it means to be a supportive friend, you know, what it means to be a good listener and also a confident communicator, you know, cause it's both improv is yes. And that's humility and courage. So while we want to encourage people to be confident and add their idea with gusto, you know, it's also this humility piece to understand that sometimes it's important to listen, you know, the yes. And we need that in equal measure. You can't. And if you haven't, yes, you know, there's this degree of listening with curiosity and anticipation that is such a helpful skill for kids to learn. So I just wrote to, to my team that we would be doing improv tomorrow uh, online. <laughs> So I, I want to start that again. I, it's one of my favorite things to do, actually. It's super fun. Um, and I think, yeah, it's so useful to develop the, the skills we talk about today. Um, I hired lots of students as interns, and uh, self-confidence is not uh, often something that they uh, come up with in their basic package. So I think, uh, I think that will be super useful. So, so thank you for everything that you shared today. Where can uh, people find out more about you, Andrea? Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And my website is andbeyondimprov.com. And uh, you can learn about my work. You can join the Mindful Improv community. It's free, no upsell. 
I do mindful improv mini retreats online um, and send out notes of mindful improv encouragement every week. Um, if you're interested in having me speak at an event that you have coming up or just interested in learning more about the book, all of that information is right there on my website. Well, Andrea, thank you so much. Have yourself a great day. You as well. Thank you. Bye. Bye.